Good morning. Last Sunday, we talked about the ant and how the wisdom books instructs us to have a mindset like the ant who gathers during summer. And we know they gather during summer so that they can have enough for winter, which is harder to gather. And uh, without any chief or ruler, they do what they have to do. We, in our context, without a manager or supervisor, we do what we must do. Um, that is an important lesson to, to build a reserve just in case a robber, a vagabond, or an armed man. That was the image. Suddenly, you lose what you have when an armed man asks for your wealth or what you carry. And, uh, but the picture is more like something can happen suddenly that we lose everything. War, pandemic, or something like that. It can happen anytime, but if we don't have any reserve, we lose everything. And that is what happened during the pandemic. Many of us who do not have enough reserve and we lost work or we lost our business or it was heavily affected, we did not have enough reserve. But those of us who were faithfully piling up a reserve, we survived. And not only that, some of us have enough, had enough capital to look at the different needs during the pandemic and some of us even thrived uh, during uh, that time. But before that, two Sundays ago, we spoke about honoring God from our wealth and uh, the first of our produce, meaning the first part of the harvest. In those days when it was not mechanized, it took time to harvest the field. It took several days. And until today, those who are not mechanized take days. The first part is the first part of what you gather, you give immediately to the Lord. And how do we apply that? Anything we earn, we set aside what belongs to the Lord, and we live on what remains. Not the last part, and some of us have that attitude when uh, we spend for everything, and if there's something left, then we give uh, to the Lord. Now, the wisdom, wisdom instructs us to honor God, and one way to honor God, yes, it's through worship, through prayer, and yes, through obedience in many things, uh, but one is to honor God from our wealth and the first part of it. And the promise is, I will pour out a blessing for you. I will fill your barns, means the storage area. That's a promise. And uh, now we, we had the lesson of honoring the Lord and then storing up. Now we talk about generosity. Now when we speak about generosity, we are not contradicting what wisdom said about storing up. You know, some people store up, they're so generous, their account goes to zero. Now, if the Lord truly leads you to do that, praise God. But if you do not recognize anything or a clear direction from the Lord, you follow the word of wisdom. You follow the book of wisdom, which is what you store up. And uh, as we read about or, or study about Old Testament people and even the Jewish people who look at the Torah and the Talmud and, uh, and the wisdom books, the Old Testament as their guide today, uh, not to uplift any race, but it is a known fact that the Jewish people as a race are some of the wealthiest today. And some would say that because they are so devious, 
But I'd like to argue the other point. Not all people are devious, just like Filipinos. Not all Filipinos are cheaters. Uh, many of us work honestly. Not all of us are corrupt. Many of us do honest work. And we build that through time, through a long period of time. And I'd like to argue the point where they practice saving as early as possible, they practice giving as early as possible, and they practice generosity as early as possible. They teach their kids with three jars, only three, but as they grow older, they add more jars. What's the jar? It's to put money there to save. Money to save, money to spend, money to give to the Lord, to their synagogue. Now, they add jars later on because there's an investment on education and there's an investment on other things to grow uh, the money. Now, allow me to discuss right now part of the wisdom books from chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Allow me to read this again. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. We will speak about generosity and we will speak about a trade or a business that is a blessing because there's a, a business that feels like a curse to others and there's a business that feels like a blessing and that's what we want to tackle here as well. But the first part, it's really generosity. Scripture speaks of the virtues of work. Gathering the harvest and storing up to prepare for times of need. Yet scripture also taught the wise to act generously, to share blessings, and sell what others need. Contrary to common logic, hoarding does not work well. Furthermore, giving wisely leads to enrichment and personal nurture. One may conclude that the ways of wisdom are not necessarily the ways of the world. What is the way of the world? It is to be greedy. Keep everything for yourself and not share anything. That is the way of the world. The truth is that godly wisdom goes beyond earthly logic. Therefore, all who believe in His Word should commit to following the ways of wisdom. My first point, generous. The proverb reveals the irony. The irony. It is an irony of those who generously give yet become richer. Conversely, it shows those who withhold resources but suffer lack. Although it is wise to gather and store, it is also wise to act generously. One more time. Let's read verse 24. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Now, another translation, I believe it is the New American Standard Bible that says, he who scatters, like scattering seed, will be richer. So, if you look at it, it may not be logical, but I'll tell you it is logical. I'd like to approach this in two perspectives. One is the mystical perspective. That as we are generous, it is the Lord who will bless us. And the other is the logical perspective. And this is what I've learned from many interviews with many very successful people. 
I have done interviews. I have done coffee times. I have asked their minds. I've sat before people who don't have to work another day in their lives, up to their grandchildren. No need to work another day, but they do work because work is good for the soul. Too much work isn't. That's why there's a day of rest. Too much day work isn't good for the soul, but good work. Work is good for the soul. Now, if you look at the mystical side, you just have to trust that it is the Lord by His will, by His way, will bless us in return. And that takes faith. Faith. Because if you have so little money, why will I give? And I have so little. That's where faith comes in. Where you say, Lord, I am trusting that I will be generous with this part the illogical is, but it's illogical, yes, I, I agree. That's where faith comes in because faith is not always logical. It's trusting what he said that he, the God of all creation, who doesn't actually need our money, but teaches us to give for our own sake. And I'd like to share later why for our own sake. To teach us to give and in a way that he wants us to obey so that he may bless us in return. So let us trust God. But there's also a warning in those who withhold uh, and actually suffer want. And uh, we're not promoting generosity to a fault, not that. We're talking about calculated generosity. You have set a portion of your income for generosity. It's not you're generous with all your savings. I'm not promoting that. You have to set in your heart a percentage of your income. You give to the Lord, yes. You give to the temple of the Lord. In the modern context, it's our church community. And uh, every member who gives has the right to check our books. Where is the money going? Has the right to audit us, to those who make decisions. The elders you have confirmed make the decisions. I don't make the decisions. It's us as a group. I can never make my own decisions here. No single elder can make their own decisions. If they do, we deal with them. And it's hard to do it right now. Everybody has the right. Why? To give you confidence that well, how we are using it, it is for the kingdom of God. Number two, we give to the church community because we are fed spiritual things. And that is in, in the New Testament. It is right to give material things so because we receive spiritual things. And it is in the practice of the New Testament that they gave at the apostles' feet and the apostles managed together with deacons, managed these resources for different purposes. One freely gives with a heart set to give. Again, I'm not promoting generous of all your savings. Now, that's the point where you set aside for generosity and then you protect what remains. Take note, I'm saying, of what I'm saying. You protect what remains because you must have the wisdom of the ant. It's not always summertime that there's money coming in. There will be rainy days and stormy days that can affect the harvest, that can destroy the harvest. You protect what remains, but you're generous to a portion. Can we agree on that?
as I pray with all my heart that every believer, especially those among us, would be truly blessed by God and able, able, through wisdom, grow wealth that is wise. And I'm not talking false gospel, prosperity gospel. If you believe in Him, everything's going to be all right. No, 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 no. Your soul, everything's going to be all right. But not always your bank account. You will be tested and tried. You have to work. That is what Scripture says. And I am promoting that. We work. We think of a business. We take care of our customers. We take care of our employees. We save what remains. We are generous to a certain degree. But we protect what remains. And that's also protecting from ourselves. Do you know that the most dangerous enemy of your wealth is not the robber? Because you can shut down your house and put CCTV and warn, beware of dog and owner with gun. You can put it out there. The most dangerous enemy of wealth building is us. Now, but if it is set aside a portion for generosity, why should we be generous? We are generous to those in need, but we are just generous. It, the text did not say to be generous to those in need. There are other verses of Scripture that we have to be generous to those in need. But who? It is you who will determine that to whom you will give. It might be to a distant relative who needs education. It might be to somebody that, that suffered a calamity. You must determine that. What we must not do and is unethical is commanding somebody else how they should be generous. You know what I'm saying? I know your business is doing well and you're saving up now. So let me just tell you how you can be generous. And they're going to use God's word. So God will bless you. Be generous to me. Now, but you hear that on TV. And you hear that around Naga City. Nobody dictates how you will be generous. We encourage to be generous to our church community because we have a covenant with our church community. We commit to build it and we gain spiritual food. But to whom you would be generous, let the Lord guide you. How? How does it help us to be generous? Here is a logical explanation. It makes you less selfish. You hear me? When a portion of your income is earmarked for generosity, it makes you less selfish. But if you say, everything is for me, for my needs, especially for rainy day, I believe in the rainy day stuff. But I do believe, as scripture says, earmark a portion for generosity. It helps us, our own hearts are dealt with. The heart is deceitful above all else. The heart wants to get it all, spend it all, for me, to have that dream whatever, dream car, dream vacation, dream whatever. You can pray for that, but like I mentioned last week, have first a dream source, a dream source of income or a dream source of reserve, a dream reserve first. So you can only use a portion when you do your dream vacation, not all of it. Because that brings us 
in trouble. Now, going back to generosity, it helps us be less selfish. It changes us as persons. And you know, you can spot a person that seems to be greedy and self-centered. You can spot that. Just don't be judgmental. It will be sometimes so obvious, so consistent, so consistent a pattern. It's always about me and my need. then you would send somebody who is not advertising their generosity, but somehow there's just something about this person that's so light when I converse with this. It's just fun to speak with this person. There's something nice, good inside. And it's not obvious in your eyes that they give. It's not obvious. It's just them as persons. Because less selfish people really have a better personality. Don't you think so? They're generous with their smile when they don't have to. <laughs> they are. Because without even thinking about it, take note, without even planning it, some of them act generously. Uh, these are the people who will hold the door for you. These are the people who will say, uh, let me carry that for you. These are the people who would somehow just, while they're cooking something, maybe I should give my cousin a little part of this. And they're not thinking about it too much. They're just being themselves. A wise person will give to the Lord, build the storehouse. And when I say build the storehouse, the question is, how many months will you survive without money coming in? How many months? That's a storehouse, okay? You can say one year, two years, fantastic. Three years, fantastic. But you keep building that so that whatever happens, you can restart again. You can restart again. then earmark something for generosity. And when we are generous, we do it for the glory of God. Now, the, the next part is enriched. The generous person shares blessings with others, and wisdom states that the generous will be enriched, and they who refresh others will find themselves experiencing refreshment. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. Now, although one may surmise that generosity is about giving to the less fortunate, the text did not specify such. You can be generous to others who may, who may have it all. Again, let the Lord lead you in this. But not so because you want something, like you want a job. That's why I'm, I'll be generous to this boss because I want a job. Uh, well, sure, yes or no, but check your motives. But just by being generous with others, somehow you find what their hearts open as well. Because some people practice this. What is that? Reciprocity. The principle of reciprocity. What is the principle of reciprocity? As you have given, 
and not asking anything in return, those who receive feel obligated by their good nature to bless you back in return. Let me give you a very simple example. Your little boy was invited to a birthday party by classmates. Now, if you're going to throw a party, you feel like you have to invite that the other little boy to the party because it's like, well, he invited you. Why don't you invite him? Some people practice that, and it's a good practice. It's a good practice among chamber of commerce. It's a good practice among believers. It's a good practice among brothers. Rather than being manipulative to take something from, from others, what you do is the opposite. Just find a way to bless others by the grace of God. And here's the promise. Those will be enriched. Now, in a, a mystical, spiritual way, one, we can say it is God through time, not perhaps immediately, because Proverbs does not speak of sudden wealth because sudden wealth suddenly disappears. Why? Because you never experience the value how hard it is to build a storage, how hard it is to build a reserve. It is difficult. It is difficult, let me tell you that. But you grow it steady, you value every peso you put there. And that's why whenever you have to be generous, you try to be wise. Should I give to this person? You don't want it lost forever. My philosophy of generosity is, well, they say, you remember the old adage that says, uh, give a man a fish, you help him for a day. You teach him how to fish, and you help, help him for a lifetime. But let's go beyond that, where so social enterprise comes in. Teach him to make a fish business, and he helps others as well. Why? Because he, he can employ others. He helps address the uh, people not having work. Now, by, by giving, spiritually or mystically, the Lord might enrich us in His time, in His way. The problem with false teachers is you can dictate to God how He's going to pay you back. Lord, I declare you do this. Take note, we can declare what the word says, and that's as far as we go, okay? <laughs> you cannot declare to God what's not clear. We declare His word that He is Lord. We declare He is Savior. That's what we declare. In His own way, He will, without us dictating the terms. But can we ask? Sure. But in your heart, you trust God. Because if you dictate the terms, then you get disappointed. Why did God not do this? Oh my, the lack of understanding of the sovereignty of God. Who are you, oh man, to say such a thing? You have humanized God too much like a friend. He is a friend, by the way. But you never forget, His sovereignty remains. The Lord of all creation, the terrifying God remains as the loving God exists. So we are careful how we address God in prayer and in worship. But we can say, Lord, I'll put a portion for generosity and make it a lifestyle and trust you 
in your time to enrich me. Now, that's a spiritual side. Now, there's a logical side to this. And this I learned from many, many much older men than I am and much more successful believers, Christian businessmen who are generous and successful. They like blessing others. They like helping reduce poverty. And there's a philosophy behind it. Because if we don't take care, you know what's a result of extreme poverty? It's violence. Violence in your own neighborhood. So we try in our own little limited way to address it. And one time feeding does not solve it. No. Be selective who you give to. You want a more long-term plan. They're also generous not only to the needy, but to their peers. And it just baffles me how much budget goes to just giving a simple gift. And I realized how in how foolish I was not to practice this. And some of these, suddenly I would re receive a package, and I know it's not just for me, because they feel good. <laughs> Why did you send me this? I don't know. I, I, I tried it, it's good. I bought one box for myself and I just thought about you. I brought you another box. My heart is touched. But I feel rebuked. However, those little things add value to my mind about him. And I realized something, not only him, every person I've met who was very successful Believers who were successful, honest people, having legit work and business, I realized they do share not only to those in need, but to their peers. And some of you are very generous. You invite people to your home to eat, to share your specialty, and that's wonderful. Some of us give a little of something we have and that's an amazing thing. Continue to practice, even in little ways, but let us make it a lifestyle. Perhaps God will bless you supernaturally, or somebody will practice reciprocity, and the generous cycle does not end. It's not a vicious cycle, it's a virtuous cycle, where we give to one another again and again and again and again. But also to other business contacts as well. We can be generous if we have earned much to our employees. We can be generous to our suppliers. Uh, we can be generous to those who buy from us uh, as well, finding a way to strengthen those connections. And you yourself will be watered. Third point, blessing. Now we shift a little bit here. And uh, with this proverb, I remember Joseph, the dreamer who became governor of Egypt. 
One, ble- one blessing that people may overlook is the blessing of purchasing fundamental needs. Do you know how much we are so thankful that something is being sold here that's not usually here? Oh, may ganito na dito. And we feel so happy because this product or service arrived. Sometimes it's just food and we're just so happy with this brand that we saw that's already here. And, uh, but let's go further. In times of need, people consider sellers of basic needs a blessing. Conversely, they curse all who hoard and do not sell. Now, Joseph saved enough grain so that for the time of need, if you read Genesis, for the time of need, when it was time to sell it, he sold it. He was not hoarding it and making people suffer. He was preparing it so the people will not suffer. So, there was a client of mine who... who, the president was a Jew. And he said, uh, Ed, uh, help me train my managers here. So I had a contract for one year to train his managers. But the impact to me was the product they made. So he was explaining. So, Ed, let me explain to you our product. You know Joseph in the Bible? I said, of course I do. So remember Joseph that he stored for, he gathered for seven years. And then for another seven years, he released. What did he do so that the grain did not spoil? Okay. Uh, Because in normal storage, grain spoils. Nasisira. Mabasa, masisira. We're applying the same technology, except that what we do is transportable. You can transport it across the seas and preserve the grain, and they're confident that for five, they said five years, 10 years, 20 years, it will remain unspoiled. They have that confidence, and you know, I feel like trusting him because he is a Jew, right? <laughs> That's his heritage. And, uh, and I realized the science was so simple. Just make sure it's dry enough and no oxygen can come in. Because if there's no oxygen, even the bacteria will die. That's why when they lock it up, in the time of Joseph, or even during Hezekiah, when they lock it up, it's locked up. Nobody opens for many years unless it is needed. But now there are, uh, this company I was serving had storages for one sack to a whole truck. And it can be preserved. And you don't need heavy infrastructure just by their material, which make sure that oxygen does not come in. It's just amazing. I, I was just amazed. And I, I saw them featured in several uh, uh, news features. And I thought, grain can be preserved. Um, but in our context, it's not always grain, because not all, we're, we're not a, well, Bicol is a land of farms. But most of us here, for example, have regular work, so we go back to what? We sell what people need. That's the point. And uh, if you sell what people need, then your your business is a blessing. Now, if your business is a blessing, um, then you can sleep well at night. But people will curse who don't sell it. They need something and you don't sell it. They curse you. 
So it is a blessing. Um, during my philosophy class, I, I gave my students a question, a philosophical question. As an is business morally good or bad for society? Then I, I put in, an instruction there. You cannot, this is not allowed, okay? You are not to, allowed to make a middle position, a neutral position. Don't say it depends. It depends on the business. It depends on who's leading the business. It depends on this. No, you just have to answer, is business morally good or bad for society? And they just couldn't follow the instruction because it was so difficult to just say it's good and it's bad when they know there are a lot of bad companies. And they know there are also good companies. It's so hard to philosophize. And so I said, okay, you remember your, when you did theses when you were in college? Remember that part where you have to define? You have to define the words you use so you have the same understanding because one word may have multiple meanings. So you have to define it to say, by the word business, I mean this. So I said, you, none of you define. That's why you had a difficult time. So what if we redefine it as this? That business is a system of trade. Is that good for society or bad? A system of trade. That we can trade. We can trade what we have with, what, with something else or money. We can trade. We can buy what we need. What if there's no business? What if there's no system of trade? You know what happens? We're back to the old days where you have to produce everything. You have to farm everything. Everything you need, you have to do by yourself, including the clothes you wear. But because there's a system of trade, economy grows. So by itself, it is good. And I'd like you to have this very good perspective on business. It is good for society. But it can become evil, yes. But business per se is something we need. We need to trade to buy what we need to get what we need. Imagine, imagine there's medicine and I'm not selling it to you because all I said was, I'm just saving this for my family, but it's more than enough. And I said, I don't want to sell to you. That is not good. May I also encourage you, if you think of a business, think of something that can address a social need. And I believe believers should get into businesses that address a social need, either from the supply point of view or to the selling point of view or to the hiring point of view, if we can think of those, we will have businesses that are a blessing to our society. Yes, he's, the generous person can be a businessman because he's thinking of how he can address a social problem, but he needs it sustainable because donations are not sustainable. They're not. We should learn. Since the 98 crisis and the 2007-2008 crisis, global financial, many of nonprofit organizations, even churches, who, who survived on donations did not survive. And those that they're helping also had a hard time. But if you create a system of trade with you and with others, and you can sustain it because you're also earning and they are also earning, and your business is a blessing. And that's what we need to think about.
Joseph blessed Egypt by selling the gathered grain at the right time. The people saw him as a blessing. The Egyptians willingly paid the price of grain. There are trades that one might consider a blessing. Quickly to the application. First is to give. Let us not withhold what is due. Well, like paying our debts. We have to pay our debts. Let us also not delay a blessing. If we are earmarked for generosity, let us commit to it. If we are capable of such, instead let us now sow seeds of generous blessings, and the Lord will bless the generous among His people. When wise sayings from the Old Testament speak about honoring the Lord from our wealth, it speaks about giving to the temple and the priesthood. In the New Testament, it is about giving to the church community. In fact, others would say, when you're giving to the Lord, that is not generosity. You're just giving back what He demands. Generosity is giving to the others. That's why they say you have tithes and you have offerings. Although we see tithes here more of as an Old Testament thing, not as a, a, a law that New Testament people must follow, but it's a guide that New Testament people can follow. And it's a good guide. Don't say, I've helped this person, why should I give to the community? No, no, that's not how it works. Your generosity is one thing. You giving back to the Lord is another thing. You honoring the Lord is another thing. So we give, and then we trust God. See, it doesn't happen without faith. Generosity cannot work without faith, because you'll always be afraid when you let go. But when you let go, a part of you goes away. <laughs> you know what? A, a little part of you goes away. It's like, you know the feeling. A part of you goes away. Now, some people can't give when there's too little. And when it grows so much, they also can't give. Because when they compute the percentile, it's too big. They, you can't give when it's too little, and you can't give when it's too much. The problem is your heart. Your evil heart is a problem. Yeah, Jeremiah says the heart is evil. That's why we obey because we have to counter the greed within us. The fallen nature within us exists. The flesh and the spirit battles. And once we give to the Lord and to others, somehow, little bit, we are freed. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing to bless. Next, thanksgiving. The promise of wisdom is enrichment and refreshment. Let us seek to bless others. Then trust the Lord, that the Lord will bless us in return. We may thank God in advance after we act generously. So as you act generously, you can thank the Lord in advance. Our giving may not be limited to giving in our church community, but we should give our church community. We may bless each other in many ways. As we bless others, our lives become more prosperous, sometimes literally, at other times figuratively. Let us all be generous, and let us all thank God for the blessing that He will give us. Is that wrong? No, that's not wrong. As you give to the Lord, as you bless others, it's not wrong to say, thank you, Lord, because you said in your word that I will be blessed. Therefore, I thank you, Lord, as I bless others, I trust 
But watch it. Do not dictate the terms of the blessing. <laughs> All right? Yeah, Lord, um, here's how you will bless me back, okay? Let me give you a list, all right? I'm going to buy a lotto ticket, okay? And then you're going to bless me through that. You got that, Lord? You don't talk to the Lord like that. You don't. You may give your prayer requests, but then at the end, you always say, let thy will be done. Lord, this is what I ask but let your will be done. Who knows what you ask is too small for his plan? Or maybe what you ask is so dangerous for your soul. We have to be careful what we receive as well or what we buy. I was sharing to a group of young men yesterday. I have a friend who dreamed of having a, having a BMW car. Nice car. Gee, everybody who I talked with says, once you drive it. You know what the tagline of BMW, the ultimate driving machine. And you feel it. Now, I have a friend who bought one, and he could afford it because it's just a portion of his reserve. But I met another one who bought one who doesn't have a reserve. <laughs> when he saved to spend, and then he bought one. And after a while, I said, I don't see your car. I'm not using it for now. Why are you not using it? Uh, the muffler broke down. And during that time, the 90s, uh, the muffler broke down, and it cost 60000 a piece. I have to save money to buy a muffler, so I can't use it. So how funny that is. Be careful what you own, because what you own can own you. That's why do not be envious. You say, Lord, what I need, give me what I need. I'll use what I need. Nothing beyond that. No need to show off. To show that, hey, I've made it. Honestly, most people don't care. And once you show I've made it, though those who care, you know their plan? Borrow money from you. Don't show it, okay? You can tell your growth group who are not manipulators to say, thank you, Lord. God gave us a good deal. Praise God. You can tell your pastor so I can challenge you more. <laughs> say, we plan one day to build our own school so we can teach the gospel and Christian values to children. Why don't we create a fund? And I challenge you for that. Oh, we're starting to build a campsite. Maybe you can add in to it. Maybe I'll challenge you. Maybe not. But never force you. That's unethical for any Christian leader. Not to make you feel bad when you don't give. You know, some people do that. They make you feel bad for not giving. They'll even gossip about you because you didn't give. Unethical. Unethical. But we all share in thanksgiving that as we give, the Lord blesses us in return. Third bless, we should engage in trade that others deem a blessing. We should sell what people deem necessary. In times of need, we should sell others what will help them survive. But if we hoard them and do not sell them, people will curse us. Joseph gathered enough during times of plenty, and he was able to sell in times of need. 
He helped the Egyptians to survive while Joseph enriched Pharaoh. In effect, he also enriched his family, the Hebrews. Let us work at becoming a blessing through a trade. Some trade. But if you think you're not made for it, then do your best working in what you do. Putting up your reserve, giving to the Lord, and earmarking a portion for generosity. I'd like to share to you a piece of poetry called Generous. The proverb gave us a warning, a warning against withholding, which may lead us to lack and want blessings that wisdom will not grant. Wisdom states, give generously. It's biblical, apparently, uh, but it's not always logical, definitely not practical. There is no contradiction for storage and acquisition. To prepare for the worst of times during the seasons that are prime. People curse those who withhold, listen well to what we are told. He enriches the generous in a way it's adventurous. A good trade can be a blessing. It may stop people from cursing. Give freely, yet gather enough. Engage in trade, sell the right stuff. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us that we should be generous. But not generous to a fault. Generous that is wise. During the pandemic, many of us have lost a lot. Some businesses have been severely affected. Yet we trust, Lord, that as we have been generous in the past, that as we have given to you in the past, in your way, in your time, you will allow us to recover. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the generous brothers and sisters with us. We thank you that we may practice this as well. Although in our minds we need a lot, why should we let go? Yet we trust you more than our own computation. We trust in the God who can provide. We trust the God who is limitless, who will give in due time for our own good. And we trust the God who is generous. For our God gave His only Son to suffer and die for us. One who gave all, one who gave the most precious. To people who do not deserve it, like us, filthy, wretched sinners, who offended the Holy God, Yet you expressed mercy in Christ. Your mercy and your love, your grace that we do not deserve. Teach us to walk wisely on earth. Allow us to grow our reserves. Yet continue to change our hearts. We see it an honor to give to your work. 
and a blessing to be generous to others. Lord, we pray that we become a people, a people who's committed to the Great Commission, even through our money, yet a people as well who are generous, yet a people who reserves so that our family may survive the worst of times, even though we don't see it yet, but we will prepare, but not only for our families, hopefully it is big enough to share to others. Yet no matter how small or big, teach us to earmark something for generosity. And every time we give, we say in our hearts, to God be the glory. Because you said, Lord, we trust you. And we give in your name that those who thank us, we shall say, thank the Lord most of all. For I am simply a servant who obeys his word. Thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.